from wherever you are listening, we hope you are blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. We're going through our sermon series. Uh, we just started a sermon series a couple of weeks ago that's going to go until the rest of the year on Sermon on the Mount, right? And so we're going to take this moment to continue on for Beatitudes. If y'all were not here for Beatitudes, go watch it. That is like literally the hardest sermon I've ever preached. Thought the Beatitudes was one way, but no, it was practical and practical and practical and it sucked. So go watch it um, if you can. Whenever you are able, I believe. 
Uh, in the meantime, we will open up our Bibles. Would you open up your Bibles with me to Matthew 5? Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. If we've got any people here who don't have a Bible, let Jane Doe know. Jane Doe will get you a Bible. Don't even worry about it. All right. Can we all rise for the reading of God's holy and perfect word? This is the word of the Lord. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket or on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you just remain standing with me as we pray? Abba, we thank you for all that you are. Abba, it's a hard world. It just keeps getting worse and worse. But God, we hope in an eternal glory beyond comparison. And so, Jesus, we pray that you would be with those who are mourning, with those who are hurting. Whatever it is in this congregation and in your body, we, we believe, God, that you are a God that provides to each person as they need, that you are a God that meets every person where they're at. And Lord, we don't know what kind of seasons we've brought into this sanctuary right now, but Lord, I just pray to those who need conviction, Lord, I pray that you would uh, give, give conviction for those who need comfort, Father God, that you would provide comfort. Jesus, we thank you that you are real. You are not just a set of beliefs. You are not just a laundry list of morals. Jesus, you are a real human, fully God, fully man. And the gospel is real. And you are really, after dying and resurrecting on the third day, you are really seated at the right hand in the flesh of God. You are seated at the right hand of God in the flesh, Jesus. And we believe in the reality of who you are, and we cling to that this morning. We cling to you, Jesus. So God, I pray that the reality of the gospel would be made real right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts. Father God, if there are any and all, any and all distractions in our brains right now, Lord, I pray that you would clear that in the name of Jesus. Father, that we would be laser focused on what you have for us. And God, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that only you would be magnified, that only you would be glorified, that it would be only your words, Jesus, anoint my lips, so that it is only your words that leave, and not mine, your wisdom, and your word, and not mine. We come here, we worship you. We lift this worship service up to you. Everything is yours. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
All right, so we're going to go through salt of the earth, okay? So obviously, this isn't a lot of verses, okay? This is just like three verses, okay? But we're going to go through salt of the earth right now. So the first thing we see here, if you guys can follow in your Bibles with me, it says, you are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its salt-like qualities, by what can it be made salty again, right? So the first thing that they say, the first, not they, Jesus, this is Jesus preaching, the first thing Jesus says is you are the salt of the earth. Do you know what that means? I don't know. I don't it Honestly, those words don't mean nothing until we explain it, right? So the first thing that is explained and expounded upon after stating you are the salt of the earth is the danger of losing saltiness. Note here that it says you are the salt of the earth. Now you are the salt of Israel. Now you are the salt of Jerusalem. Now you are the salt of America. Now you are the salt of your ethnicity. It says you are the salt of the earth. Okay? And then the first thing that it states is the danger of losing its saltiness. So it says, if the salt loses its salt-like qualities, by what can it be made salty again? It will have no value any longer except to be thrown outside and trampled by people. So the result is that, number one, it's no longer valuable. And number two, it's thrown away and trampled. Now, what is the significance of salt? Salt is one of those wondrous, beautiful organic compounds that do so many things. I'm not trying to get scientific on y'all, but obviously we know table salt is NaCl. For those of you who are in middle school, I'm just giving you a slight chemistry lesson right now, right? It's sodium chloride, consists of sodium and chloride, and it serves a gazillion functions, okay? You throw salt in order to make the roads drivable, right? What, what do we do on that road? Um, we drive, right? <laughs> so that our cars don't slip and we don't die, right? So salt is useful for the roads. It's useful for food. Have you ever had food that is in Korean? It's called shingle. Have you ever had food that is not salty? I'm not trying to sound like my Floridian best friend who puts too much salt on everything. Um, I don't know why people from the South do that. But yeah, if you've ever had food that isn't salty, it's hard to eat. Okay, salt brings out whatever flavor already exists. If it's sweet, salt brings out that sweetness. Chocolate with sea salt, mm, it is good. You think it would not work, but it is good. Salt the caramel. Why does that work? Because salt is amazing, right? Salt also preserves. Salt preserves. Okay, people back in the day, right, when there was no formaldehyde and, oh, I have to explain that. It's a chemical that helps things not to rot, right? Uh, before there was modern science, um, there was something called salt. And so uh, even before modern science existed, salt was used to cure meats, to preserve meats. It preserves things. When there's a wound, you pour salt on it, salt on an open wound. It stings, but it also cleans. So we see here salt has purifying properties. It has preservative properties. It has, um, it adds flavor. It also fertilizes land. Don't ask me why. I am not a farmer from New York City. I don't got no knowledge about that, but apparently, apparently salt helps in farming. I don't know how, don't know how, but it does. Um, and when you lose your saltiness, 
I don't even know what it means for a salt to lose its salt, right? It's like, for me to not be me anymore. But when you lose the ability to be salty as salt, you no longer have any of those functions. Actually here, it says here, uh, if salt loses its taste, by what can it be made salty again? The phrase lose its taste actually is a double entendre. Which that means that it means two different things. So it means loses its taste, but it also, it means foolishness. So people who have lost their salt or their saltiness, Jesus is calling foolish. Salt is actually talked about also in the context of wisdom. I know, today's day and age, we, when we say you salty, right? We say you petty, you tie, all right? But salt here, it, I don't know why. It, in antiquity, it means wisdom. So when you lose your salt, it's foolish. So Jesus is saying, if the salt becomes foolish, by what will it be made salty again? Number one, it is no longer valuable because it no longer serves the functions for which it, it was useful for. It loses its worth. And two, it is thrown away and trampled. This is um, Jesus not. This is not Jesus being like explicit about human bodies. Uh, when salt gets chemically tainted, um, back in that in his day, uh, there were salt blocks that were used to bake. And every 15 years, regardless of whether or not you know it was salty or it wasn't, it was known to be chemically impure, so it was thrown away. And so salt, when it becomes chemically impure, it gets thrown away. Now me, being the nerd that I am, I had to ask myself, what, how does salt lose its saltiness? Because if salt is a chemical compound, then salt would have to cease to be salt in order for it to lose its saltiness, but that's not salt anymore, right? So I was like looking at it, I was like, can salt actually lose its saltiness? The answer is no, um, because it is an, a compound. The only time when salt loses its loses its saltiness is when either it's diluted or when there are chemical impurities. Um, what that means is if it gets tainted. So what Jesus is referring to here is actually the Dead Sea. So the Dead Sea is dead because it's salty. There's too much salt for life to exist in the Dead Sea. There is life, but those animals have had to adapt to an extreme amount of salt. But there's areas, pockets of land around the Dead Sea where it's just salt that isn't salty because it's become so chemically impure by the dirt around it that it's ceased to be salty. What that means is, you know how one plus one is two, right? And one plus one is two, so th that's an equation, right? Number plus order of operation number equals new number, right? And NaCl, one plus one is two. But when another impurity, when another compound that is not pure gets entered into that equation, what you come out with is not two anymore. It's three. Or maybe if it's negative one, it's one. And that no longer is salt. And so it loses its saltiness. Once it's diluted, it loses its saltiness. Once things are added to it, it loses its saltiness. And this is significant because you lose 
what you were created to do. I have put on an obscene thing on my head today. I noticed that for the first five minutes, everybody has been trying to not comment and not change your face based off of this crown that doesn't even fit my head because it's not for my age. Um, that's on my head right now. Does it or does it not distract you? Do you even remember what I said for the first five minutes? You might not. Oh, no, it's okay. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> but I love you. Regardless of that answer was yes or no. I'm kind of scared to hear the answer to that question. I'll hear it after. Um, <laughs> right. The point is that you probably were not able to focus all too well on what I was saying because I have added something. I'm your pastor, right? But I've added a thing that is uncharacteristic to who I am on my head that is distracting and therefore because I've added something to myself that is distracting, you might not have heard the useful word for you in that moment. Do you understand what I'm saying? I have added something to my physical appearance that is completely random, that does not help me, and so it has only taken away, probably, from your distraction or from your attention to what was being said, even if it was God's word. So it is with things that we add to our identity that has nothing to do with who we are. Some of us are students. Some of us are sons. Some of us are daughters. Some of us are siblings and parents. Some of us are Asian American. Others of us are not Asian American, right? Every, nearly every person in here is a person of color. Actually, for today, everyone in here is a person of color, right? This is a part of who we are. When we, but our most fundamental identity is that we are the salt of the earth. But when we add things, what happens when salt gets put in coffee? Exactly, Isabel, exactly. She was like, right, yeah, me too. I don't want to taste that either. I just said that salt is miraculous and wonderful, but I do not want salty coffee. Do not give that to me. It is not good, okay? Right? That's because salt was not made to flavor that drink. It was not made for that purpose. And in this way, salt becomes foolish, and it loses its saltiness. In this way, often we add to ourselves, like this tiara that I had on my head, sometimes we add to ourselves things that are not actually who we are, that do not actually add to our worth or our value, but we put importance in it. Be that success, be that our own pressure upon ourselves, Maybe we're randomly overvaluing our job. Maybe we are randomly overvaluing a relationship. Maybe we are randomly overvaluing ourselves. If you're not meant to be here, please close the door. Thank you. Um, if we are randomly overvaluing ourselves, 
This takes away from our identity. And it makes us lose our saltiness. Just like how me with the tiara, you might not have been hearing what I was trying to say. And me being a mouthpiece for the Lord becomes less efficient. One thing I want to note, as we add all these things to ourselves, that actually takes away from our saltiness. One thing that I want to know, passivity. We just talked about when salt loses its saltiness because things are added to it and it becomes chemically tainted, right? But there's also this other side. Salt loses its saltiness when it is diluted. Such is passivity and complacency. When you are passive and complacent in your faith, what that does is it dilutes your saltiness. It dilutes your identity. It dilutes your actions. Can you become salt water? That isn't salty enough for anything. This is what quarantine has done to the church. It has diluted us with passivity. We have forgotten what it means to be Christian. We have forgotten the value in being Christian. Jane, does that mean that Jesus doesn't love me? If I do these things? No, Jesus died that you would keep your identity forever and that that would never be based on your actions. Praise God that you're at, this is the one place in your life, church is the one place in your life where what you do has nothing to do with the royalty on your shoulders. You are sons and daughters of the Most High God because Christ has died for you and nothing can undo that. But you could be Salt that has lost its saltiness. Be it through adding too much value to things in your life that shouldn't have that value or diluting yourself with complacency and passivity. You could be. You're still salt, but salt that has lost its saltiness. Yeah, Jesus plays no games. You know, Jesus plays no games. He goes right along. He doesn't even, there, there isn't even a break. There's an indentation, but that indentation is basically, it's only in the English. So it says, you are the light of the world. First thing he says, you are salt of the earth. And then he says, you are light of the world. He does not say, if you do this, you are salty. If you do this, you are salt of the earth. If you do this, you are light of the world. That's because... As his beloved children, we are the salt and light. We hear this all the time. I'm sure y'all have done BBSs with it, sermon series on it, you know, retreat themes on it, and we hear it all the time. But this is just something that God has given to us, right? And it says, you are the light of the world. A city sitting on a mountain cannot be hidden. 
The first thing to note about light in the world. God is light. Christ is light. Light itself. This light, we, have, we don't have a single light on right now. Looks mad different, right? That's because up until now, y'all might not have noticed there isn't a single light on here. Light is created in the image of God. Because God is light. And Jesus, who is light, says to you, you are the light of the world. In the image of God. And then he goes on to say, a city sitting on a mountain cannot be hid. Let me tell you, America has overused and misused this passage, calling themselves a city on a hill. But the purpose of being city on a hill is light. What does light do? It breaks through darkness. It brings clarity to what is around you. It gives you direction. Psalm says, your word is a lamp to my feet. Light is impenetrable. Light bursts in photons. They burst. Light travels faster than the speed of sound. It's incredibly fast, very tenacious. Why a city on a hill or a mountain cannot be hidden is because when it is, when, because during the day it can be, but at night, During the day, where there is light everywhere, a city on a hill can be hidden. But at night, the light from the city will pierce through the cracks in the trees. Have you ever tried to like contain light with your fingers? Cover a light bulb with just your fingers? Even when the light is smaller than your hands, it's nearly impossible. Because it still makes your hand glow. A city on a hill cannot be hidden when it's dark. A lamp is not put in a basket and instead put on a stand. Because that basket was not meant for light. It's a grain basket. People put bread and wheat and grains in those baskets. So light, we understand light in its property, in its property of matter, does not work. You cannot fill, you cannot just hold light in a basket. I mean, yes, you can, but that's just all this negative because it's a, yes, and so anyway. So it's not meant for that purpose. It's not meant for that purpose. It's not meant to be put in a basket. Instead, a lamp is meant to be put on a lamp stand. 
A lamp is a man-made lamp, is a man-made light that shines on people. A lamp. It's like if I tried to take off this lamp and put it in the cajon, why the heck would I do that? Y'all would look at me and say, that's dumb, Jimmy. And it is. It is what? Foolish. Because that is not the purpose of life. And then Jesus says, let your light shine before others so they can see your works and know the glory of God. What God is talking about here is that in our lives, we are to show people what it means to be salt and light. Some of us, we wonder, why doesn't my child believe why doesn't my significant other believe? Why can't my friend believe? Hey, they've got a lamp next to them. Why doesn't my parent believe? They've got a lamp next to them. As salt and light, we are to help the earth and the world to taste and see that God is good. And we're going to suck at doing it. If y'all have heard the Beatitudes, blessed are those who mourn, not just from grief, but from guilt of sin. Blessed are the peacemakers. Y'all, I already explained to you, I'm not good at making peace. If I've got something with somebody, I'm the type of person to sit like, if you don't want to talk to me, I don't want to talk to you. I'm not really the type of person, I'm, the, I'm not the type of person to go out of my way to generate peace. And yet that is what God stirs us up to do. In this same way, God says, let your life shine before others so that they may taste and see that I am good. What does that mean? It means that faith is not invisible. A lot of us, we might live our lives with the closest people in our lives not being able to tell that we are faithful. Faith, by nature, is not invisible. I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do with your lives. And you know what? I suck at it too. You know? But faith by nature is visible. Faith is hoping, no, being confident in things that are unseen. The conviction of things hoped for. A confidence in things that cannot be seen. Faith is a visible lifestyle. If your life does not reflect your faith, 
we must beg the question, are we salty? Yes. Are we are we truly living out what it means to be salt and light? Jesus calls us to active faith, going forth just as much as you are being poured into. This is hard. I realize I'm saying this to a post-pandemic people, where our normals and our lives have been completely shattered in the midst of the pandemic. But let me tell you, for salt to lose its saltiness, Christ calls it foolish. Because he has created you and I for a lot of different things. Faith is not passive, it is active. When we are passive, it dilutes our faith. It has a negative impact. As much as your comfort levels go up, it does impact your life negatively. I guarantee you, when you are passive, you are not thriving. When life is just happening to you, you are not thriving. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Because you were created with purpose and intention. You were created fearfully and wonderfully. And when we forget the importance of what it means to live in our identity, when we attach so many barnacles to our identity that our identity is hidden, there is no way you are thriving. In that same way, you might, you might be a light that is being poured out into a basket. Your life, was made, your life was made to be visible. Your spirit was made to be visible, and yet you are pouring it into a basket. And that was not what it was made to do. This passage is about evangelism in your lifestyle. And not just your words. It's not just lip service. It's a lifestyle. And that's hard. I get it. It's hard. But when we are Christians, I talked a little bit about it last week. When we are Christians that know how, don't know how to give mercy, that don't know how to forgive, that don't know how to live in what it means to walk with God, we lose our usefulness. It's like a dull knife that can't cut through anything. It doesn't change the fact that you are a knife. And Jesus has paid dearly so that you would not have to 
earn your identity. But you will be dull. There is something called free will. And your actions do play a factor in how you are doing spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically. What are you diluting your identity with? What do you live for right now? I don't know. I'm, before I am a pastor, I am a sister. We are fellow children of the Most High. It's not mine to determine what you guys are living for. So I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. But you do. You know. And God knows. What are you living for? What do you live for? Where is your identity placed in? Your value placed in? Can we take this minute to pray? It's an age-old passage that we have heard over and over again. And before we pray, I want to remind us of the grace of God that is covering us, even now. Sometimes God's word feels like a nice warm hug. Sometimes God's word feels like a slap across the face. And let me tell you, it is grace that God calls us out on things. What we as American Christians, as possibly Christians in New England, might suck the most at is being active in our faith and proactive in our walk. But faith is not passive and it's not invisible. What does it look like for you to be salt and light? Perhaps that means taking out a side of you that might be more vulnerable. Perhaps that might mean loving on people in a more Christ-like way in your day-to-day. Perhaps that might mean not compromising your boundaries, your physical, relational, emotional boundaries in honor of who God is in your life. Perhaps that might mean taking steps that you might not have ever had the courage to take before. Make peace with somebody. Give mercy to somebody. Mourn with those who are mourning. And grief, we learned last week, grief is not just about loss, it's also about guilt. We all have different ways to live out the grace that we have been given. By God's grace, because God loves you, because God loves you, you are salt 
who you are like. The very God that laid his life down. The very God that loved you more than anybody could ever possibly love you. Calls you soul and life. And we might not have always been that way. But could we take this moment to step forward? into our identity and soul and life. Maybe some of you guys need to talk to God about the way that you have been diluted. Maybe some of you guys need to talk about, talk to God about whatever is in your identity. Whatever desires, passions, people have clouded your purpose. Maybe some of us are unwilling to be visible. We hide our life. We dim our light. Maybe some of us are hurting. And we can't see a way to be bright. Will you give whatever you are carrying to the Lord right now? And be open to your identity. I saw them laugh. Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loved us and raise people up in his love. We are grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com.